John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that boss next. Big job there from Duffy and Brett Mears. They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, it is great to be back in the United States of America and to be looking at Kenny Florian on a Monday, September 28, 2020. I feel like I've already lived my Monday. It's Tuesday. I'm supposed to be living Tuesday in Abu Dhabi, but we're back. It's episode 269 of the Anik and Florian podcast. I just did three flights, so I, I, I don't know what to tell you about today's episode, but we're here. It's good to see you. What's the word on the West Coast? A happy Monday, Tuesday to you, my friend. Uh, you, you put in some great work over the weekend, man. What a night of fights. Awesome job, as always. And uh, it, it's great to be talking to you about them. So much to talk about. Feel like we're already racing the clock. One thing I was asking Cody, though, before we came on the air, I, I drank some of Bruce Buffer's new Whiskey Puncher's Chance over the weekend. And mm-hmm. I was wearing my hat. I might as well just do this on the air. So... I'm co- wearing my hat, like covering my eyebrows like this. Okay. So I just had backwards hat on. I'm drinking bourbon, right? Uh, promoting puncher's chance. And, uh, and it seemed like there were more comments on the video about my hat covering up my eyebrows than, uh, than there were on the whiskey or the bourbon. <laughs> so I, I mean, Cody, you what you were born in 1990, what? 93. So 1993. So like, what's the problem with me covering up my eyebrows? It's comfortable. I'm not thinking about my eyebrows. Seems like a lot of other people think about think about my eyebrows. <laughs> it's a fucking New England thing, kid. That's all I got to say. Maybe it is. Well, I hope it doesn't uh, distract people during today's episode. But uh, below the belt with Brendan Schaub, I've been seeing Kenful on that show a lot lately. <laughs> yeah, we did a little bit. Uh, talked a little boxing. Talked some UFC, of course. And uh yeah, Shab, Shab's always fun. To, I like to that. I, I'm always watching what you're doing. I like to dabble with a little boxing, you know. Boxing for me is is really a tough sell these days with all the holding and everything else, you know. Yeah. Um, a few pay-per-views a year, but mixed martial arts has ruined baseball for me, right? Can't watch baseball, can't watch it at bat and uh, boxing as well. Are we promoting the Anakin Florian podcast when we're going on uh, Below the Bell Run Show? Yeah, exactly. Sure we do talk about, about it, actually, yeah, every that's once good. in a while. Yeah, yeah, so uh, there is so much to get into, and uh, I feel like I should just give you 300 seconds, right? Five minutes right now to rip on Israel Adesanya, but he is the undisputed UFC middleweight champion. He's 20-0 and in mixed martial arts. You know, Joe Rogan said he's the most sophisticated striker in the sport right now. I'm not sure how you could argue otherwise. It was super dominant. There's plenty to get to on Costa uh, and some of his indifference, if you will. But all praise to the still champion, Israel Adesanya, and you called it almost to a T. You know, I, I don't want to tell all of our listeners I told you so, but you know what? Listen, I think he's been showing uh, the fact that he's been one of the most sophisticated strikers that we've ever seen in the octagon for some time now. Um, his intelligence and his ability to hit and not get hit is on a completely different level. His footwork, his ability to not get taken down just based on his distance management is something you don't see too often with guys who come from a strictly striking background. So this is a guy that has matured previously to to getting into the UFC and has only gotten better since getting into the UFC. So I've been really high on Israel Adesanya. The guy's an absolute gangster. Um, And for Paulo Costa, I, I think, listen, he was a guy that a lot of people were excited about. Why? Because he looked the part. However, skill wise, he just didn't have it. 
Does it mean that he's not a good fighter? No, it just means that Israel Adesanya uh, just is a few different levels above someone like Costa. And I think that it comes down to the skills, though, because for Paulo Costa, this was such a listless and surprising performance. And we're not done on Israel Adesanya, I can promise you that. But, you know, Costa trains too much, Kenny, right? He wants this too badly, right? Like mm. hunger is the least of his problems. And I think that's part of the issue. He has wanted this right. so badly from such a young age. I just don't understand the hands behind the back. Uh, and I, I certainly think that Izzy probably cause some of his issues, right? I mean, you're in there without a side. You got to be careful, you know? Um, but I don't know, man. I mean, he, he landed, I mean, Izzy literally, I was more beat up after the broadcast than Izzy was being <laughs> in the fight. Well, I tell you what, listen, I think, um, there's a lot of truth to that. I, I know that I have made some mistakes with overtraining. I certainly did that in the BJ Penn fight, got way too excited. Uh, and you know, just didn't feel like I was myself on fight night that that can happen. Um, but more than anything else, I, I think that um, skill-wise, he, he needs to improve. Um, he was just very confused and didn't have an answer for that long frame and uh, those leg kicks, of course, from Israel Adesanya. Um, the other thing I think that he was kind of plagued with is a lot of times you kind of you get a certain narrative. And this probably came from someone outside of himself where you go, all right, skill-wise, I'm outgunned. How do I get to Israel Adesanya? How do I get him off his game? I'm going to play a bunch of head games. I'm going to act like I'm not heard. I'm going to talk a lot of trash. I'm going to throw a white belt his way. All these things had nothing to do with the fight itself right. on fight night. And I think he thought it was going to rattle Adesanya, and it just simply did not. Right. So if you're fighting Israel Adesanya, here's what I'd recommend. Okay. Try to get him in Vegas in the 25 footer right now in this climate for starters. <laughs> right. Don't give that athlete 30 feet to, uh, to dick around with you. Um, but don't you have to wrestle? Don't you have to clinch? And I think if you're Paulo Costa, you ain't trying to beat this guy over 25 minutes, right? I think yeah. he was trying to preserve cardio. What are you trying to beat this guy for 25 minutes for? You know, it's still mm -hmm. a TKO loss. You don't want right. to be twitching on the canvas. You know, I love Paolo Costa, if you can't tell. You know, I was just expectant that there would be a better championship performance. Um, I know matchup-wise, you and, and every Sharp out there thought he was so up against it. But uh, I don't know, man. I guess for me, it's like, why change your stripes when you get there? Why don't you just go fucking try to knock his head off? And, and either way, it's a TKO loss in round one, as you called it, or round two. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. But is you know, that just I, a fan's view that's very ignorant or what? No, I, th I think that that's, um, you know, it's something that I think a lot of people expected. You know, when you see a guy in Paulo Costa and he faced a, a juggernaut in Yo Romero and really didn't take any steps backwards at all, he was always in Romero's face. I think a lot of us expected that same kind of style against Israel Adesanya. I think that there were probably moments where he wanted to do that. But Adesanya is a fucking computer, man. He's so good at reading you. Yeah. Every time Costa wanted to come forward, Israel was fainting or kicking the shit out of that lead leg. And Costa just didn't have an answer for that. So I think that, yes, he was probably a little bit more cautious in, in his approach than, than previous performances. I'm not sure that would have helped necessarily. Again, it, you, you only know by trying it, but I think it would have uh, – it probably would have ended maybe a little bit quicker. It's possible, but also it could have allowed him to at least land some shots at Anasanya. I think Paulo Costa, again, I don't know what the numbers said, but for me, looking from the outside in, it looked like he landed maybe 
three or four leg kicks, and that was it. Like, I, I don't think he touched him with his hand once in the face. Not right. once. Right. And again, that has to do with Adesanya's ability to read his opponent, his ability to gauge distance, and that six foot four frame, right? He is six foot four, something like that, right? So I don't know if so, he's that tall, but yeah. Yeah, but uh, whatever reach, it is, sure, right? Big yeah. reach advantage. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting because he did not have a scratch on him, right? Getting up in his face after the fight, uh, barely sweating. So I want to know what you are most impressed with in terms of Adesanya's brilliance on the feed. And while you chew on that, I just want to sort of highlight Eugene Behrman because Bill Belichick, mm. head coach of the New England Patriots in the NFL, a lot of our international listeners may not know that name, but uh, Google Bill Belichick, ubiquitously regarded as the greatest uh, coach in, in professional sports history, certainly in America. And Eugene Behrman, I believe, is separating himself from a pack of elite mixed martial arts coaches. I hate to sit here and say he's the best coach in MMA, Kenny, but look what they have done. You know, I mean, you can say they didn't beat Max Holloway twice, but, you know, they beat Max Holloway twice. They have the UFC <laughs> featherweight champion. They have Brad Riddell, who looks like on any given Saturday night he can compete with elite lightweights right now. Adesanya and all these guys give him credit every step of the way. Uh I don't know, man. I think this guy is brilliant, you know, borderline genius and and the best coach in mixed martial arts right now uh, and, and starting to to distance himself a little bit. I mean, can you create a um, a powerhouse team in an island that is not really well known without being a phenomenal coach and without doing things differently? I think that, that at the end of the day is what separates the elite martial artists from other martial artists, the other minds and other people are doing things. You know, when you get other people that are kind of following what everyone else is doing, as opposed to someone who's thinking out of the box and approaching fights with different takes, different perspectives, different techniques, that is always going to be more difficult to deal with. So I, I think, you know, again, uh, Eugene Behrman, my coach of the year last year uh, here on the podcast. Right. So, and, uh, and how do you not get, so you're going to be a yeah. nice guy and give it to someone else. I mean, right now we're sitting here September 28th. How somebody take that award from him over the final three months? I guess that's what right. I'm saying. Yeah, you know? no, absolutely, man. I, I think he's he's my uh, top choice yet again. I, I think that he's doing tremendous work with all the guys over there. Um, you know, Israel Adesanya is relatively quickly running out of opponents here in this division, which was absolutely stacked. Uh, so, yeah, phenomenal. And, and what did you ask about Adesanya? Well, you said in terms of him on the feet. Right. Like, yeah. what is it that uh, I mean, I hear a lot of words and feints and mm -hmm. traps and angles sure. and distance. And but what is what is most impressive to you about how easy he, you know, makes it look? You know, uh, listen, I think when I was competing uh, more than trying to win, um, I think I was looking for the cleanest of performances. Uh, you know, if you if you're thinking about, you know, uh, a military operation or you're some kind of um, high level operation. You want to go in with your men. You want to kill, get the thing that you need to get, get the hell out and make sure that no one dies. That's the key. It's not right. like, all right, I got, I got the uh -huh. hostage, but 19 of our 20 guys died. That's right. not a good operation. Right. Israel Adesanya went in there clean, like an assassin, killed the dude, snuck in, snuck out, got his check and got the hell out of there without a scratch on him. That is an elite martial artist. That is the difference. It's not about beating your opponent. It's how you do it. And that dude is an assassin. He's a ninja, period. It's crazy. And, and it'd be nice to have a long conversation with him and developmentally talk about where he was in Perth in February of 2018 when he made his UFC debut relative to where he is right now. That's crazy. Uh, because oh other than God. Conor McGregor, right? Other than Conor yeah. McGregor, 
nobody in my mind, I'm sure there are one or two other examples, has become a first ballot Hall of Famer inside of three years making their UFC <laughs> debut. You know what I mean? It's insane. Uh, like Cejudo obviously did everything you could possibly accomplish in the sport, but he it took him longer to do that than mm -hmm. Israel Adesanya. Now Izzy has defended this belt. He hasn't in a second division, but uh, he's defended it. You know, uh, and taking out big names that seemingly people would not really want to fight if they wouldn't have to. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. And now he wants Jared Cannonier, who looks like the most dangerous guy right now. And at this point, everybody who said that Adesanya minus 140 was a steal, well, I mean, he'll probably be a three to one favorite now against Cannonier. The value on Adesanya, I can assure you, uh, expired this weekend for good. Uh, I have a lot of respect for guys like Cannonier, Whitaker, all those guys. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't see anyone really challenging him for the next year or so, or until maybe uh, Hamzat Chimaev uh, matures as a fighter and kind of gets to that. You know, so that gets me excited. Yeah. And I think with two of those guys colliding eventually, and, and that narrative as far as uh, opposing styles and the way that they both have um, really emerged from kind of nowhere, yeah. I think that gets me excited. That gets a lot of other fans excited. I'm not trying to say that he's ready right now and that's the fight we should see. I'm saying this is the trajectory that, you know, the way it's heading, I think that's the fight that ultimately is going to be an absolute banger. Cody, while we're talking, please look up the UFC middleweight top 15 and then tell me who you think is the best wrestler uh, in that 85 uh, pound division. So Shane Young on Embedded was watching Israel Adesanya and you were watching organic reactions from his teammates, Ken Flo. And they're like, oh, my God, like this dude can do that now. Like, man, Paulo Costa might be in some real trouble this weekend. You know, yeah. I just. He's not getting worse, man. He no. is so special uh, in every sense. And for our viewers, I will say, I just came home to this. You know, he's the cover boy, obviously, in EA Sports UFC 4. Uh, and certainly no EA curse, as he so uh, eloquently put it over the weekend. I will also say, too, and uh, if people think that I'm being paid to do this or this is a PR stint, uh, stunt, uh, it's not that. But, you know, to watch him walk back to our cabin and give up his first-class seat to one of his coaches – that's what it's all about, too. Uh, and yet people want to sort of find fault with that for some reason. You know, he did it out of the goodness of his heart. You know, perhaps if both his eyes were shut and uh, it was a five round war, maybe he'd need the extra space. But uh, I don't know. He's he's uh, he's a good dude and acquired taste for some. One of the greatest celebrations slash entrances I've ever seen was when he made his UFC debut and he uh, sort of pissed all over the octagon. You know, I mean, I just uh, I understand some of what he did this weekend, put people off. Um but uh, I don't know, man. I think he's uh, he's having fun, and uh, he has elevated to greatness in a in a rapid way. You know, I, I think uh, he certainly has that showman quality to him. Um, and I also think that if you want to be a nasty prick and, and be at the top of the division, you need a little bit of that kind of fuck you. Uh, you need, need just enough of that. But I also think right you need that humility, and, and I think he balances it well. And you could see that whether again, you know. What, what is he trying to pull a PR stunt on a freaking plane with, you know, uh, however yeah. many people that are on there? You know, no, he's not. That That's legitimately who he is. And I think, you know, having the humility to say, you know what, coach, you're the man. You sit here. Let me go to the back. I, I got I got a nice place to stay at back in New Zealand. I'll be just fine. Yeah. You chill. You relax. Um, and, I, I, and, and at the same time, he will get pissed off. If you try to disrespect him, he's going to yeah. disrespect you yeah. back. And it's also kind of a, a little sign and a note to everybody else in that division. You want to talk shit. Yeah. You better be ready for careful. It. Yeah. And I will also t say about both headlining athletes. 
I guess when you get closer to these guys and then you see the perception that they're both super arrogant, not good guys, it sort of bothers you more, right? Because Paolo is so gracious, talking about giving our producer Lappy a shirt, you know, in our fighter meeting, right? It's like, that's who he is. And Adesanya yeah. is just deflecting and putting over everybody around him all the time. So I just hope that, that fans will, will listen to the show, at least, you know, and, and understand that there are two really good eggs there in the, uh, in the main event. Jan Bojovic, man. Jan fucking Bojovic was two and four in the UFC in 2017. He's 37 years old. He's got his first kid coming in December. And he is the second champion out of Poland. He's the undisputed UFC light heavyweight champion. I mean, this is what else can you say? Plus 220, I think plus 330 range as a, as a knockout winner over the weekend. Uh, Look pretty live to me. What would you think of Jan Bohovic? I have a feeling that he busted a lot of parlays over the weekend. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I tell you what, listen, he he's always been extremely tough. He's got a great chin. He hits really hard. He's good on the ground. Um, and I think he's quietly put himself in this position. And I don't think a lot of people expected him, uh, to win in this fashion against someone like Ray's who has done obviously so well in this division. Um, but, uh, man, I, I mean, boy, does he look the part of a fighter as well when he walks out there. And I thought his ability to balance his blitzing attacks with, you know, sharp combinations and backing Ray's up and confusing him there, throwing those body kicks, um, I think it really frustrated Ray's early on. I, I thought Ray's, I think Ray's probably thought he was going to have an easier time with him uh, and was going to kind of cruise in the early round and then take him out later in the fight. And that just wasn't the case. I think Ray started feeling the pressure of being down around here and two, you know, a, a round or two down and feeling like he had to do something and then got caught, man. But dude, I mean, how about that nose break? That is one of the worst nose breaks I've ever seen. Uh, it was nasty. And from there, the fight was essentially over. But uh, great to see a guy, an underdog in Bohovic, get a win like that over a, a really good athlete and fighter in Rays. Um, and, you know, we, we've injected a new conversation in that division. And, um, man, what a fight. What a win. So uh, to make you feel better about the nose, he actually, at least at first, put it back in place himself. And I saw him at breakfast. So, uh, uh, But, no, he just – he said – Jan just fought an awesome fight. And I'm telling you, when we sat down with Bohovic, it was like ball game. I mean, with respect to Reyes, you know, Reyes just, you know, and I say this with all due respect, but I think he would have liked to have more time to prepare than uh, six weeks for a championship fight and, and hard to blame him. Uh, but when I brought that up with Jan, he said, you know, it sounds an awful lot like an excuse to me. And Jan just, uh, Jan was just ready to go, man. Like you mentioned the walk and it crystallizes everything for me. It's like fighters fighter, been there, done that. Uh, you know, Dominic Reyes was 15 years old when he made his pro debut. And I also think too, these fight environments, certain fighters really end up shining and certain fighters don't, right? Mm -hmm. It's totally different, Ken Flo, than walking out at the fucking TD Garden to fight Gray Maynard, right? When Bruins jerseys everywhere and everyone's shouting Ken Flo, Jan walking out in this environment, uh, I don't know. I think guys sometimes need the crowd to sort of be like, all right, man, you know, to, mm -hmm. to put, you know, cause Reyes's biggest criticism of himself was that he didn't pull the trigger. And I think when the crowd's there, sometimes guys have less of an issue pulling the trigger. I don't know. I agree with that. Uh, I think that definitely is a factor. Uh, and, and obviously that's going to differ based on what kind of fighter it is, you know, what kind of fighter they are and, and kind of what gets them going. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think Reyes might've been a little overconfident heading to that one. And again, perhaps he didn't have the camp that he wanted, but let's yeah. not take away what Bohovic did and what kind of skills he has. 
um, man, that dude is tough. And if I'm a director or a casting director or something, oh. like go get that dude and, and make him a scary guy in a movie, like quickly. Like he, he is like the perfect dude. He just looks like a fighter. Like if he's walking down the street, that's not the dude you want to, you know, push. Like he just, he has that aura about him. He looks like he's, you know, uh, from a family of warriors for, for centuries. Yeah. So um, he definitely has that in his blood and it was a tremendous performance, dude. I told him I was glad I married into a Polish family, but you're absolutely right. I think you just made him some money. Maybe you can push out a tweet to that effect and we can try to get the ball rolling on that. And he speaks English in a very uh, right. intimidating way if he has to, you know, Dude. but I love too that like he ain't bringing the belt to breakfast. Like if I and we're all eating together, that's why I keep bringing up breakfast. But if if I had just won the UFC light heavyweight championship, what John Jones had that thing with, for what seemed like my whole lifetime. I, I wouldn't leave it in my room to chance at the W Hotel in Abu Dhabi. I'd bring it to breakfast, you know? <laughs> right. We don't care about the belt, you know? Doesn't care. Absolutely amazing. And yet, the first thing out of his mouth is not like, this is the greatest moment of my life. All he's thinking about is is John Jones. And I think it's that type of competitiveness that uh, is obviously going to serve him well as champion. It's not going to be John Jones, unfortunately, I think, for Jan. And it'll be Glover Teixeira or Tiago Santos. Tiago Santos, I think, is very interesting. They fought once before and had trained together since, so a lot of familiarity there. And I'm telling you right now, if the Glover Teixeira that beat Anthony Smith shows up against Tiago Santos, then that guy's probably going to challenge for the belt because that Glover was the best Glover I have ever seen. And uh, if he put another training camp on top of that one, uh, I'm interested in this division. You know, uh, I, this is exciting to me, you know. I agree. Listen, I think Glover looked fantastic his last fight. Um, I think he fought with a passion that we had not seen or I hadn't seen uh, in a little while. Um, and with Tiago Santos uh, coming back, I mean, obviously he's got a knockout win, right? He beat uh, Bojovic by knockout, yes. I believe. And yes. um, I think that makes things intriguing. So yep. uh, it, it, I think this is a good thing for this division. I, I really do. Um, and I think Bojovic is a good guy who fights in an exciting manner, who's going to deliver some uh, high-level championship fights. And I know Paulo Costa wants to stay at 85, but I did say to uh, Captain Eric Albatacin that I'd like to see him just take a quick fight at 205 and try to mm. get a W and try to sort of change the narrative a little bit. So we'll see if uh, they heed my advice, which they won't. <laughs> uh, breaking up with your old wireless provider just got a whole lot easier, by the way, thanks to Mint Mobile. Ken Flo and I are in. They were the first company to sell premium wireless service online only. Not sure why it took so long, by the way, but now Mint Mobile is introducing their premium unlimited data plan for just 30 bucks a month. Let that sink in. I'm paying over 110 right now just for my line, and that's why I'm making the switch to an unlimited plan with Mint Mobile for just 30 bucks. I mean, how much is my soon-to-be ex-wireless provider charging me, and what am I getting? Like going online only, you eliminate the traditional cost of retail. Mint Mobile passes those savings on to you. All plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can use your own phone, by the way, with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. I've enjoyed the service thus far with Mint Mobile, but if for some reason you are not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile gives you a seven-day money-back guarantee. So why not look into it to get your new unlimited wireless plan for just 30 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free? Go to mintmobile.com slash Anacflorian. That's mintmobile.com slash Anacflorian. Cut your unlimited wireless bill to just 30 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash Anacflorian. I can't imagine all the shit that Ray Longo is going to have today. He's going to go way over the clock. I'll try to cut him off. Let's get to the Ray Longo minute. Now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo, the 
John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. So Ray Longo doesn't need to hear the drop. If you ingested any of our social media content, you know that he's just going to start coming in like right as that thing hits food in his mouth. We were almost there today. I don't know if you need a sip of water, but it is damn good to see the star of the show. How you doing? Oh, man. Couldn't be better. Good to see. Another great job you did this weekend, John. Another great job. Absolutely fantastic. Oh, buddy. thanks, buddy. Thanks. I really appreciate the the, the uplift, you know. Oh, yeah. So uh so what'd you think of the card other than the fact that uh you thought I did a great job? Oh man. Well I thought first off, you outshined the main event for sure. But uh no no. What are you I talking that, about? No, I mean I'll tell you, I had a sign you absolutely. Did you think phenomenal. we had a bad show? You messed with me? Nah, no. Did you notice in the pay-per-view open, guys, by the way, uh, water from overhead hit my head. Did anybody notice that? No. There was condensation coming down on us no. all night long because of how humid it was. So wow. I handwrite my fighter cards. They're all fucking meshed. I'm moving like this and then over here and, you know, fucking mess. Anyway. Man, woo, woo. That, that, yeah, that head movement pays off, buddy. Head movement pays off. I just have a high guard, man, as a striker, I'm telling no. you. High fucking guard. Try to get high in High guard. <laughs> So, oh, man. Sober right now too. How about I'm fucking sober right now. You could see, you could see. <laughs> <laughs> we all know. So what's going on, man? I mean, obviously we spent 25 minutes on Israel Adesanya and yet I still feel like we could literally spend all night on the guy. Uh, yeah, what'd yeah. you make of his performance? Uh, absolutely. A, a plus absolutely phenomenal. Did exactly what he said he was going to do. Uh, Man, I don't know, man. He looked great. He made that look easy. I don't know. The other guy, look, I think the theme of the night for me was what got these, and you said it on the show, what got these guys to the dance, they just, I don't even know what I was looking at, man. I really thought that was going to be an exciting fight. He was going to go right at him, eat a couple of shots to take a couple of shots. I don't, I mean... Those guys are tricky. Israel, I mean, he did a great job. I mean, he really, I thought the performance was just phenomenal. Uh, the other guy, I, I think he's got to be kicking himself in the head. I just have no clue as to what plan A was, plan B, plan C, nothing. I have no idea what I was looking at. Uh, but it could be that, you know, the other guy just, you know, that range, very rangy, was very, his awareness was on point. And he may, he look. I, I, he probably could do that all day long. I didn't think it was going to go like that, but he backed up what he said. And, um, you know, with the exception of the antics at the end, I, everything about it, I liked, you know what I mean? Even the culture of that team, that guy, Eugene Bamman does a great job, man. Just, you could see the camaraderie. I love the fact that Adesanya brought him in while he was doing the interview. Uh, they just, they got the chemistry. I love, I, 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 I always did. And, you know, it's always like, you know, I always liked when, you know, Al was fighting and Weidman and those guys are in the front row. It just, it means a lot. Uh, and uh, those guys have it, man. They got the X factor and uh, they're doing, they're doing the right thing. And, you know, I like the fact that, you know, even Israel, he spoke up about the weight cut and what a problem, you know, like he wasn't letting that go either. Cause his guy, I think he lost that fight, but you know, missing weight. Uh, yep. He, he, you know, he was a great spokesman. You could see it's, it's he's passionate He's defending his teammates and uh, all good stuff, man. I mean, that was that was good. And again, I didn't think it was going to go like that. I mean, I knew it had the possibility, but I just thought, like, again, what got that guy to the dance, even against Romero, just going through eating shots. And I wow, that that was unrecognizable to me. You know, I don't know, Kenny, if you thought the same or whatever, but the, the guy, the other guy was phenomenal. 
I think you hit on a lot of important points, uh, and I'll let Ken Flo jump in here. But in terms of the team chemistry, Kenny, you have a lot of these like mini dynasties in MMA, and uh, mm -hmm. these guys, this is like a little dynasty going on right now. They're doing great. Listen, I think that uh, it was a combination of Israel Adesanya just being, I think, at a different level of skill than Paulo Costa, but also Paulo Costa, again, it seemed like he had an off night and was more focused on trying to get inside Adesanya's head than actually trying to fight. And that was a, that was a major problem. You know, if you're getting kicked in the leg and saying, Oh, that didn't hurt. You get kicked in the body. That didn't hurt. You get kicked <laughs> in the face. That didn't hurt. What's your game plan? What are you trying yeah. to do? Um, so yeah, no, you're not there to be a body bag. And, um, yeah, I think that uh, as far as a team over there, um, I, I think they're doing a phenomenal job, um, you know, and they're they're going to be tough to beat. All those guys are killers, yeah. no doubt about no, it. No, no, without a doubt. And again, you know, when do you go, when do when does the, the the words code red come into your head? Where listen, you're getting beat anyway. You might as well go for it. Nobody will that. Imagine if he went for it, traded, and he got knocked out. There's no harm done this way. It just looks. I don't know, man. I mean, I just, I, I, that was really confusing. That's exactly oh. what I said, Ray, off the top of the show in so many words about Paolo Costa, right? Uh, why not go out sort of the way you got to that championship opportunity exactly. by just being a killer, you know? Exactly. And I think the sports books had to get absolutely killed. I mean, Ken Flo was front and center on it, obviously on our show, but like every single sharp mind out there that I talked to loved Adesanya at minus 145. He closed minus 175. You know, it's like my twin brothers placing big bets. on. I mean, everybody loved Adesanya yeah. and yet I'm closer to it than most of those people. Uh, and I thought it, you know, I mean, what the fuck do I know? But yeah. I don't know. I just, I really feel like when I look at this middleweight top 15, that Adesanya beats most of these guys eight out of 10 times. And I think most people think Chris Weidman is the guy in this 185 pound division. Like who's the best wrestler at 85 Ray, right? Go look at the top 15. This is not a division that is, is drunk with great wrestlers. And right. I'm just not sure how you're going to outstrike this guy consistently. Like, and then you got to beat him twice, right? Rematch clause. Like best of luck beating this guy twice. If you're a yeah. kickboxer right now. Yeah. And I'll tell you, you know, what's funny. I, I don't know why I was doing a podcast, but <clears throat> we had Yanni the Greek, <coughs> excuse me, Yanni the Greek on. Right. And did he break that? You know, he, he says he doesn't even look at the names of who's fighting. He just goes by the stats and then whatever comes up good, he just matches it to the name. So he was fascinating to talk to. I thought he did a great job. And obviously he, <clears throat> he had Adesanya in that. So big, no, he was very convicted in his Adesanya yeah, selection. And I, I think there are different ways to approach MMA handicapping, but certainly Yanni uh, actually got his start on this podcast before going to the UFC on the oh, line. I didn't and, even uh, know that. Yeah. He was one of what our resident nice handicappers. Guy. Yeah. I he's really, a good dude. I enjoyed talking uh, with him. And he's had a great year handicapping. So yeah. uh, in terms of the weight thing, since you brought it up, if I may. So we had two athletes this weekend, Zubera Tohugov and Ludovic Klein competing at featherweight. And they both weighed 150 pounds. Now, two separate cases. And I know Israel Adesanya sort of took issue with both of those cases for different things. One fighter maybe having the resources he thinks to make the number. Uh, Ludovic Klein is the first Slovakian fighter in UFC history. He got the call on short notice, right? But I do believe in this climate, and I hate to generalize, but short notice fighters, right, should be ready to make weight. Everybody's trying to barge the door down right now in the UFC. So to miss by that much for Ludovic Klein, I didn't think was a great look. And then, of course, you get the head kick knockout on Adesanya's teammate. I think we're all aligned, Ray, that the penalty does not at all fit the crime right now. And it's nice to see a high-profile athlete like Izzy verbalize that. 
Yeah, no, no. He looked. You could see it was coming from his heart, and he was passionate about it because I think he felt bad for his teammate. But look, one way you could do it too. Forget about even the penalties. Is that if you got a last-minute fight, I mean that guy's coming in to save that fight. Just make it a catch weight of 150. The other guy doesn't have to lose weight, so he doesn't kill himself. And I think that makes it a little more even. And if you can't do that, then just you know don't do the fight. But uh, it's a big difference, man, when a guy doesn't have to make those last five, man. It just is, and that's what really, really sucks, man, because, you know, that guy goes home with a W. The other guy, you know, he wanted to fight. He held to his end of the bargain, and, again, it's 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 no different. I, I had this conversation months ago, months and months ago, but it's another form of PEDs, man. It's a big advantage that you're having. Five pounds is a huge advantage, and... You one know. pound can be a well, huge right. Kenny, yeah, imagine, yeah. I was going to say, imagine yeah. if Kenny could have weighed 48 for the Diego Nunez fight instead of 46, yeah. right? Right. It was one of the yeah, worst none. days of my life. Just I was at a party <laughs> just waiting for the news that he had made weight in Vancouver. Literally, the, the worst party he of my was, life, uh, you know? I told and you. I, he, and I was hoping he missed. I was wanting to hear 49. I, I, I told <laughs> you. That, made it. I, t- I know I told you the story a hundred times, but the guy was a mess. And whoever he was with, they left the guy <laughs> for dead. It was like a scene in The Godfather <laughs> when they leave the guy in the hospital and the baker has to save I felt like <laughs> the baker. I swear to God, the guy was there by himself. The, the accountant's going, you got to sign the form. They taxes and And Ken just couldn't even <laughs> I'm telling you, I have to tell the guy, buddy, take a fucking hike, man. This guy can't even move. And I'm telling you, he doesn't even look at me. I'm sitting there with Weidman. He doesn't even look at me. I feel his hand tapping my leg saying, thank you. That's exactly what it was. But he was was banged up, and this guy was asking him, you know, you know, your social security number was worse than the neurological test they give you in New York where you got to remember the words. Yeah, you know, your social security number. You know what my team left when, you know. my team left me because they didn't want to be an accessory to murder is what it was. They I were like, like anything, he's on his own. If he kills this guy, he's good. Yeah, who are you with? Jonathan, who is that guy? Chamberlain? What's his yeah, name? J- J- Chamberg, exactly. Yeah, yeah, Ross, right. my they brother. Did, yeah. Left oh, yeah. Ross, <laughs> Literally. Them? No, Ross was there. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm not laughing about this. Right? I, I like when you trot this story out like every 50 episodes as you've done over the last five years, but like I don't like hearing rumors that a kid they're like holding Keith Florian back trying to go in there and get his brother out of there. <laughs> no. well, let me tell you, man. I'm telling All's you. All's well that ends well. All look at him now. Look at him now. When he touched you in that moment, he was yeah. really reaching out to say, hey, in four years, I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to need you on every <laughs> single fucking week for the history of the show. Yes. So I have a couple other things written down. But seriously, in terms of engaging me on this wrestling angle, right? Um, yeah. I just I really do believe that I think Chael Sonnen said Weidman and Woodley are maybe the, the biggest challenges for Adesanya. You know, I mean, you guys got to win some fight trades, see if Chris can position well, himself well, for this fight. I mean, he mentions widely uh, Weidman and Woodley. They like you say, they both have to they got to get the fire back to both of them. Well, right. I mean, Woodley is not a great example now. at present. Right, right. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, to make that statement after, you know, that loss to Colby, I don't know what he's talking about, but I, I, we get it. They're both great wrestlers. And that's what it looks like is the recipe is, you know, to, to beat this guy, but man, this this guy's on fire and he gets it. You know what I mean? So that's not an easy out for anybody. So I got to spend some time with Matt, Sarah. uh, And as soon as he said, gluten free, 
Yeah. It actually didn't happen until we were at the airport lounge boarding the flight back to Vegas. But of course he said gluten-free and I said, stop right there. <laughs> he was going to go look for some gluten-free snacks. I said, Ray said you would definitely say gluten-free at least once in front of me on the podcast last week. And so I didn't like that. I said it before the guys, what's known in the business as a repeater, gluten-free, gluten, -free, gluten, <laughs> gluten that you have the gluten is a gluten. The guy doesn't stop. The guy doesn't stop. He really believed oh, that this is something new that glute there's stuff. There's, there's cookies and shit without gluten in it, that they have gluten <laughs> to him. This the gluten is the new concept to him. He that just doesn't stop. So uh, a couple other things I just wanted to highlight, and then you can take it anywhere you want to before we let you out of here in six minutes. I mean, I got to go do bedtime right now, right? I mean, Brandon Royval, we were not going to finish this episode without talking about what was the fight of the night between him and Kai Kata France at flyweight. And uh, with Davison Figueredo running this division, Cody Garbrandt fighting for the title and the way these guys move around and all the skills. I know Royval has a style that maybe doesn't seem sustainable for a championship rise, at least right now. But, man, was that a great fight. And, again, the more I watch this division, the more I think, thank God, it's still here. Yeah. Oh, no. What, what a great fight that was. And the guy's just a absolute mad hatter. He's got a good he's way to put skills. it. You know Why what do I you mean? text me mad hatter in the fight and help me out? Oh, you know? sure. Next time. I'm, 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 I had Ian Parker text me. How about he text from Ken Flo and Ray Longo <laughs> during the show? You know, it's like <laughs> fucking credit you even. You know? <laughs> no, he's – look, the guy was – he is a mad hatter. He's going to have to calm down a little bit, but it almost works for him. He creates that chaos, and then you know anything can happen. But he did get he did get hit with a with a that one right hand. Uh, but man, he's just he's just a game kid, man. And he's you know that that choke was tight. He's got looks like he's got really good jujitsu. Um, yeah, I think he tightens up a couple of things, which he self admitted, which I even is yeah. better. You know, yeah. like you said, he couldn't even make the correction in between the first because he's such a mad hatter. He couldn't even control himself. Yeah. But he went out there and he, he's exciting as hell. He's always going to be exciting. That's why I say, imagine giving this guy a title shot and he he, he doesn't go. All right. That's he's a great crazy. point. See, that's the problem. Like, this is what got him there is just being crazy. And he, and he is technical. Don't get me wrong. But he is just willing to throw caution to the wind, man. And for right now, uh, that's working really good. I agree. I mean, how many times do you see a guy get dropped and go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm yeah. just going to throw a spinning elbow. I mean, yeah. just he, he's yeah. a savage. I, yeah, I love that. And he's yeah. nonstop attacking on yeah. the ground, on the feet. This kid is trying to take you out. Uh, yeah. Full stop. No, I, like, there's, you know, it's yeah, amazing. And, and Kenny, you know, there's a thing like you're, a, you know, you're against the cage and you're getting hit. And you take a wild swing. This guy spin back elbow right. on money. Yeah. It's like, crazy. That's, yeah. That's a, yeah. That's a technical technique. You know what I mean? That's not a haymaker. Yes. That guy put that thing. Yeah, that was crazy. Crazy, 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 man. So a lot of yeah. traffic there at uh, Longo Weidman <laughs> MMA in Garden City, New York tonight. But you're absolutely right. And this is a kid who now has two finishes and as many UFC starts and yet has beat himself up after both fights. I think that's what I like about him. He's really having a blast in there. And he's that's a competitor. And yeah, he's a competitor too. He's like, listen, I'm not satisfied. I want to keep getting better. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, really, yeah. he seems like a great kid, man. He's yeah. got a man who he's you're always gonna want to see this guy fight. He's 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 on the map now, man. It's really I'm happy for him.
and Hakeem Dawadu. It's nice to see him get that split decision against Zubair Tahugavit for no other reason than Tahugav missed weight. And Canada really needs somebody to carry that torch. I'd like the heavyweight Tanner Bozier quite a bit, actually, to uh, to maybe make a run to the top eight or so and, and see if he can break down one of those giants that continues to stick around. But again, like if I'm a father in Canada, I'm pushing my son to mix martial arts. I'm telling you, you can have that entire nation by the balls, yeah. bang out the bell center, Ken Flo. I'm telling you, it's like, you know, Ken Flo walked down the street in Boston, like probably signed 10 autographs. He walked down the street in Montreal, different story. You know, <laughs> I'm serious. I really feel like Hakeem Dawadu is one of the best fighters in that country right now. And uh, these careers shift on a split decision like that sometimes. Yeah, and I'll tell you, man, that, you know, just to mention that fight too, I don't know. That guy missed weight. And obviously it didn't help. The third round was mind boggling. I mean, I, honestly, I would have given that a 10-8 round just to make sure he couldn't win the fight. That's the way that would have been my mentality. It looked bad, especially yeah, you're the dude who didn't make weight and you're running away the whole time. Seriously, third, get he, out of here. Yeah, he couldn't even engage him. The guy would shake his head and then still just start moving. Like, I, I'm telling you, if I'm a if I'm the judge, if I'm a judge, that's a 10-8 round. Yeah, yeah I think you're look. right. I do imagine, think. Imagine if that guy would have won the fight. That would have been awful, you yeah. know? No, I think that's the way that should be interpreted. Again, something I didn't think of on the broadcast, and again, something you could have texted me. Um, you know what? I'm all over this. You're making I mean, me. You know, I had, you're I was mocking really, me off the top of the red I was really having a. I was really having a great day. You're really you're bringing <laughs> me down. I got. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I have to. I'll be all over that texting next time. Right. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, anything else before we let you fly? So one other thing that Matt Sarah said to me was that Ray is growing his hair. And I said, yes, I've, I've seen that every week. It grow, it gets a little bit longer. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. When All is, right. when is this, when is this pandemic going to end so I can get a haircut? Does anybody? Yeah, right. I know. Right. It end? I, I Never. can't tell you that. You know, I when I get a cut though, I'm going to make a wig and put it on Matt's head though. I think I thought <laughs> with the hair. Like I'm like a toupee. I yeah. think you should leave it till like 2022, Ray. That's my opinion, <laughs> but whatever. Could happen. Well, right, last thing, we got 30 what seconds. Song, huh? what, what songs are you singing tonight to your kids for bedtime? What are you reading to them? I actually have to do an imaginary story almost every night for my nine-year-old Riley. I got like a book of them now, at least written down titles. I forget most of them, but it's hard to come up with a, a, an organic new concept every night. And sometimes she'll bang on the story, you know? She'll be like, yeah, not your best. And it's like, yeah, you then. <laughs> you know? No but story tomorrow. And then she pretty feisty tonight, uh, Kenny. Very he is. Tonight. He is. He's been on a plane forever. Yeah, like, he's slap happy at this point. He's yeah. over time. It's his second Monday in 24 hours or something. That's I don't know. Way to put it. You got anything else you want to say, John, before seconds. you get you off the show? <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Well, I, what I was the host. I'm sorry. I screwed that up. Marab has a fight now against Cody Stamen. That's all. What a, Thirty seconds. Great fight. Awesome fight. Worked That's with him. Fight. Worked with him last night. Looked phenomenal. Good. Love him. He's going to be in shape as usual. Hopefully, we'll add some new things to his game, and uh, that's going to be that's a big fight for him, man. He's very excited. I super excited. Thank you. And man, Cody's a great guy. So I look forward to the the, the challenge with uh, Marab. So it's Thank it's you, good. Man. Awesome fight. All right, buddy, we'll uh, we'll let you go. Hey, thanks for being on time this week. We appreciate that. Wow, really? <laughs> Just messing with you, you man. So, Why are you sensitive this week for the I, first time in 269 I episodes? Told, I told you. I'm not sensitive. My ass is sensitive. <laughs> All right. There you go. There you go. You yeah, and Asagi get your minds out of the gutter, you know? You notice Cody's out of the dark now? 
I know. Oh, yeah. nice? Look, you got in the light. What were you doing, Cody? Then trapped in the total <laughs> darkness. Say right. over there. I what was in doing? the dark because when you're an internationally good-looking media personality like me, you got to make sure that your camera lighting is good. Right now, camera lighting is not good. Fans are going to see this. I thought it was coming from one of those float tanks. I thought you had your mic set up in there. <laughs> well, I did want to say one thing, though, because, John, you uh, said that your daughter bangs in your stories. I mean, yeah, that's kind of been your M.O. tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder where oh, she yeah. gets it from. I yeah. should have never brought him up. I'm sorry, John. Let me get it. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, well, we've taken enough of your time tonight. Yeah. But you get back to it, and uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna talk to you in like six days or so, my man. Let me but thank tell you, you something. Next Monday can't come soon enough. How's that, my man? And you my take man. care of yourself this week. Check is in the way. I want you to get some rest. <laughs> I'll call you this week. All right. See you, Ray. Take care, Raymond, guys. Peter, Longo, every week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. All right, support for the Anakin Florian podcast comes from the official electric razor of UFC Manscaped. Manscaped truly has everything you need to keep your package nice and tidy and is the best company in the world when it comes to men's below-the-belt grooming. Their top-notch ball trimmer, the Lawnmower 3.0, will keep you clean without any of those nicks and cuts. Manscaped is partnered with top-tier MMA athletes as well, middleweight champ Israel Adesanya, and many others who understand that hygiene matters and also know what it takes to be the best. So does this revolutionary men's grooming company, Manscaped. They just redesigned this thing, the Lawnmower 3.0. It features this great ceramic blade proprietary advanced skin safe technology everyone who experiences this ceramic blade says it is a completely different experience than using one of those old-fashioned sharp metal blades that is what this is all about that's why these things are selling i'm telling you accidents truly will become a thing of the past and for our listeners out there who who are men like you don't want to use the same trimmer on your face as you're using down there i've been there i'm not there anymore let us help you get there 20% 20% off free shipping today. Go to manscaped.com right now. The promo code is AF. That's it. Promo code AF for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. All right, let's make some picks. Let's get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And it. The time is most definitely Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. It is time for the main event challenge. We are now joined by Ian the Duck Parker, or do you prefer the Duck Ian Parker? I can't hear him. That can was you weird. guys hear yeah, him? I don't know why. I can, yeah, I can, yeah. Cody's laughing because he's telling me to hit the mute button. And uh, yeah, um, do I prefer? You well, know you sh- should you get a choice right now since you were on mute? I feel like we should take the choice out of your hands. <laughs> Well, I was laughing because he fucked it up on his own. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, full accountability. You know what? I try. We... Fuck you guys. Whatever. You look this is good though. <laughs> <laughs> Which do you prefer, though? In all honesty, which one would you like? What were my options again? The Duck Ian Parker or Ian the Duck Parker? Correct. Spider-Man had such better choices. The Spider-Man or Spider-Man. This is a real tough decision. You know what, John? You're the voice of the world of the UFC and MMA in general. I'll let you decide. What All right. I, I have a, definitely the Ducky and Parker. All right. Then that's what we're going to do. Because Bilal goes, Bilal, remember the name Muhammad. And sometimes I'll take the liberty in our combo features, Ken Flo, to put the nickname ahead when I think it sounds better. And you'll notice right. Joe Martinez sometimes. Fighters sometimes are very specific as to how they want that said. But I do think that Joe Martinez in particular does take liberties to, he's like, dude, this sounds much fucking better on the front. That's where I'm going to say it. I, I, 
I also feel like the duck is a lot shorter. Ian, the duck part, then Bilal, remember the name. Muhammad. By the time you're done with him, right. fight's already over. Yeah, no, I get it. I like now, with, with Kenny's nickname, it had to go in the middle. Right, you ain't well, gonna be Ken Spokane well, Florida. You got worst be, be nickname ever. Come on now, don't get me, don't make me get my one more round shirt right now. Go <laughs> down right down the back middle. Well, let me ask you a question, Kenny. If you had a choice of a nickname, what would it have been? Since you know your nickname is really Jeez. not obviously super exciting, but you know, super jacked Florian, Kenny, uh, super huh. jacked Florian, something like that, maybe. Totally. Uh, yeah, it, I think it just goes with my persona and body. <laughs> but uh, wait, wait, hey, listen, I want, I want to know what happened. Did I lose this weekend? What did Ian yes, get I'm the better? I'm gonna get to the standings. Oh. And for the record, my my fight nickname would be the Anaconda. Obviously, A N I K. Yeah, yeah. Anaconda. So, oh, that's good. That's so, so good. I guess you guys have all left the math up to me, as if Pretty I don't much. have so much shit going yeah. on. Brady could... Miller has abandoned the standings. So. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I honestly just know when I win the weeks and when I don't. And that one week where Kenny won like 12 to nothing, I just went into a dark, deep depression and didn't even want to do the show the next week. So how do you know he won this week? Because, or how do you know uh, you won? Because I had Hakeem not doing the last name. He had Zuba and <laughs> we both we both had the same thing for everything else. However, he had Israel Adesanya in the first round by KO. He won right. in the second round by TKO. Right. So therefore, so the duck. Yeah, Team Anik wins the week 4-3. Yep. Dowdu is a slight dog, so the lead remains with the good guys, Ian, 124-122. We're coming up on UFC Fight Night, home versus Aldana. Pretty lean this Saturday. We will have four selections for you today. First up in the welterweight division, this was our poll question. So Cody's going to chase those results because I am just not efficient today. A couple of roster staples, though, here, fellas. Former interim champ, Carlos Condit. Slight underdog, plus 115. Court McGee, the minus 135 favorite. That flip-flop. So we had it differently yesterday, but now it is Court McGee who is the favorite. Ian Parker, who do you like? On a betting standpoint, I'm not touching this with a 10-foot pole. Um, I will tell you, at first I was kind of leaning Condit. You know, I feel like he's got the tools to outwin on the, you know, on the feet, but... Court McGee's got good striking. He's a smart fighter. He's the better wrestler. He's got great cardio. He'll probably grind this against the cage and hold Condit there. At one point when Condit was a huge threat off his back, I just don't see that being the case anymore. And he's got five losses in a row. You know, it's a shame when you see a guy who is so exciting to watch just loss after loss and bad losses too. Not that McGee has been such a stud lately. I just think his style is really not the right fit for Carlos, Con Carlos Condit right now. So I... uh as much as Carlos Condit's always been one of my favorite fighters, I'm going to go Court McGee here. So uh, Court McGee, the slight favor for Ian. I saw Condit Kenny in the hallway in the middle of uh, his 48-hour quarantine. He had just gone to get his second COVID-19 test. He looks great. He looks very strong. Uh, but he does seem to be putting a lot of pressure on himself. And it's easy to see why. Five straight losses. Last win, Ken Flo. May of 2015, Goiania, Brazil against Thiago Alves. Court wow. McGee, on the other side, 13 of his last 14 have gone the distance. Ken Flo finishes fights. How about this stat for you today? I did this on the airplane. So Court McGee's last finish was nearly 10 years ago, October of 2010. Ken Flo had a finish very close to that time against Takanori Gomi, but I digress. Ken Flo, which way are you going here? Jeez, you know what? I, I do like both of these guys, um, both tough dudes who have been around the block uh, and then some. Um, 
Carlos, you know, he, he like Ian said, he he was one of my favorite fighters, but he just constantly looks off balance and has been making really poor decisions during the fight, which absolutely kills me being such a fan of Carlos. Uh, Court McGee, I just think, you know, I'm going to go with Court just based on the fact that I think performance-wise, he's just been the more consistent guy. Um, so, you know, I, I think th this isn't um, out of reach for Carlos Condit, but I, I just think if I got to make a pick here, I got to right. go with the guy who's been more consistent as of late. And, and for me, that's Court McGee. All right, so our two expert opinions very much dovetailing with that that line adjustment that we have seen here early during fight week. All right, featured bout in the women's bantamweight division. I'm excited to see this. It's a close fight per Vegas. Again, one that flipped for us. Could produce the next title contender, depending on the main event. Jermaine Durandamy, minus 115. Juliana Pena, minus 105. So GDR, of course, has won a UFC title. Challenge for the belt in a second division. What was her last fight, Ian? That was last year at UFC 245. Many many sort of thought Pena could could be a future champion, but she hasn't fought all that much. What do you think about this one? You know what? Uh, I agree. At one point, I thought Pena was definitely future champion material. However, her game has not really evolved, and that wrestling game right now, what we're seeing with the top of the division kind of getting better and more well-rounded, I don't see her being able to take down GDR all that easily, and I think there's a huge difference in the stand-up game. I think where I was impressed with GDR was in her Amanda Nunez fight off her back. You know, those up kicks, really not just giving up what she could have. And at certain points of the fight, landing. If this fight doesn't go to the ground, GDR, I think, will have a field day picking her apart. Uh, if it does go to the ground, Pena is dangerous. But I think GDR is decent enough to not get submitted. And we saw her cardio hold up well in the Amanda Nunez fight. I'm going to go Jermaine Durand to me. I'm actually shocked that it is only minus 115, to be honest, due to the... Uh, Lack of activity from Juliana Pena. So do you already have a straight wager on Jermaine Durand to me? Mm, it's not a nah. trick question. I guess not. All right. No, so, so, no wait, hold on. My, my answer is I no, because I'm hoping that enough people believe in Pena's takedowns that okay. I can get GDR a little bit lower. All right. Well, let me build up Pena and see if we can move the line up a little bit, Ken Flo. So she... <laughs> She has only lost one in her last six. That was the main event against Valentina Shevchenko long, long time ago, January of 2017. She's only competed once since, but there was a time on this podcast where we talked about her as the meanest woman in MMA. So, you know, back alley, right, versus octagon, different story. What do you think about this fight? Listen, I, I think Pena definitely has the skills to beat uh, GDR. I, I just think that um, Jermaine Durandamy is going to be a handful on the feet. I think that before Pena is able to get her hands on her, I think she might be taking perhaps too much uh, too much damage, or GDR is just going to be able to keep her on the outside for too long uh, and win the fight uh, in a striking battle. I, I think Pena... Um, Hasn't improved, uh, has not improved her striking very much to Ian's point. I do think that she does have the skills. If she can get it to the, to the mat, she can get a TKO, perhaps get a, a submission. I just don't see it happening. I, I'm not willing to go that far as of right now. So uh, GDR for the win. All right, Ian, you'll, you'll lead the co-main event, and then we will have Ken Flo, uh, who is trailing you at present, lead us in the main event, which I'm um, very interested to see where you guys fall there. Co-main event at heavyweight, Jorgen DeCastro, Prohibitive minus 260 favorite here against the plus 220 underdog, Carlos Felipe. We'll need the round, the method, guys. So, Ian, do you know what I mean when I say prohibitive favorite? Because a lot of people don't know what I mean. Do you know what I mean? That he's a heavy distinct, a heavy favorite? No. That's do you know what guess. the word prohibitive means? So, prohibitive not, favorite means not. like you can't bet. Right. 
So it means you can't bet on it, right? So, Kenny, when I say okay. Jorgen DeCastro is a prohibited oh. favorite at minus 260, it's sort of me yeah. inserting an opinion a little bit, right? But I can sneak it in because a lot of people don't know what the hell the word means. It means that I don't necessarily think he should be priced that highly and that maybe it should give you pause. Uh, and certainly when you have someone who's minus 800, you would use that adjective more often maybe when it would be so out of the realm of possibility, right? Mm -hmm. Like 800 to win 100. That being said... Uh, do you see any value on DeCastro or Felipe and which way you go? I, I, I'm just a little confused. So you went into this conversation probably knowing I wasn't going to know that word particularly. And you couldn't have just said, is he a heavy favorite that you wouldn't bet on? Instead, you make me look like a fucking dumbass for 30 seconds. No, uh, that was not well, the intent. Well, you didn't. Well, I guess I question. want. No, I didn't. It's not like that's <laughs> in my script. Is that but I, I the word prohibitive is obviously in my my podcast script. Yeah. So you're just, I, you're but I, so I do better at this. Than no, me. Like I've been fucking funny. stumbling on my words all day. You know how much I love you. You're my little brother. The point is that I, I do believe too. when I use that word on broadcast, not yeah. a lot of people know necessarily what I'm talking about. Well, now everyone does. And now everyone's like, all right, well, we feel pretty stupid because we could have just fucking Googled it. Uh, if I was like Kenny, I had my phone while I was on the computer. I would have fucking Googled it and been like, oh, John didn't get me this time. But uh, yeah, you know. So I think that's a pretty good uh, good call. Jorgen De Castro is a is a heavy favorite that yeah, I don't know if I feel comfortable betting on, especially at heavyweight at that point in the division where anything could kind of happen. But I do like him to win this fight. I think he could win by knockout in the second round. Um still, you know, it's hard to see a guy coming off of a loss be a favorite at that, especially in the heavyweight division where anything could happen at, at where they're both ranked. So I'm gonna go Jorgen De Castro, round two, KO. Um but to your point, prohibitive is a good word for it because I would not bet on that. Well, and I could be wrong on that, right? Uh, no, Castro. I don't think you are. I don't think you are. It's a, it's a hard number to lay down in a situation where guys are going to slug it out and anything can happen at heavyweight. So, Kenny, both of these guys were undefeated going into their previous fight. DeCastro, uh, pretty listless performance against Greg Hardy at UFC 249. Felipe lost his debut against Sergey Spivak. That was on Fight Island, though, you know, so he did have experience competing here. Uh, what do you think about the co-main? You know, I think Jorgen DeCastro probably learned a lot in that last fight. I felt like he just did not let his hands go when he should. He seemed very timid, very hesitant. Um, I don't think he's going to make the same mistake this time out. I, I think he'll let the hands fly. And if he does that, uh, I do believe he should get the win. You got a round for me, kid? Oh, yeah. Uh, let's go round two. TKO. Round two, TKO. All right. I can throw away this piece of paper now. You guys are identical going into the main event, which Ken Flo will lead. Amanda Nunes is the champion. Irene Aldana could very well get a championship opportunity at 135 pounds. If she can come through here as a slight underdog, plus 105, Holly Holm slightly favored here, minus 125. So, Kenny, this was going to be the main event in Vegas August 1st. Irene Aldana tests positive for COVID-19. Dateline shifts to Abu Dhabi. Who do you have in the main event, and how do they get it done? Let's see. Um, you know, I, I'm just always surprised. I and mean, we've talked about this before. I'm just you know, always surprised that Holly Holm, with all of her experience, um, just hasn't been able to defeat these UFC jitters. No matter whether she wins or loses, to me, she's just so tense before a fight and just doesn't look right to me. Um, it's an easy, it's an easy choice. It's Aldana. Now, the, for me, it's like, what round does she win, or does she win by decision? Um, I think Aldana wins this uh, pretty comfortably. I think she wins with a fourth, uh, fourth round TKO. Um, Holly has a lot of experience. 
Um, but I think Irina Aldana is an absolute gamer, man. She lets it fly when she's yeah. supposed to. She's fast. She's tall for the division. Um, she's assertive. Uh, and she's getting better. And, and I think that uh, she's going to bring a lot of confidence and a lot of momentum. That is a future champion in my eyes. Amazing. I didn't know your ceiling was that high on her. But again, I agree with everything coming out of your mouth. Maybe up until that point, I just think with Amanda there. But again, I just having followed her whole career, this is really exciting to see her emerge and develop this way Ian, and get this main event opportunity. Um, obviously, she had a big win against Ketlin Vieta. That was a TKO last December UFC 245. What do you think about home here, Aldana? And ultimately, which way are you going, IP? Kenny, you know, you're a real motherfucker for that one, right? Because I could have swore you were going to go Holly home there after that whole uh, her being tense. But this time she's going to let loose and let it fly. Nope. He just gave me the old Dikembe Mutombo. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. When Aldana came into the UFC, I was pretty high on her. In the beginning, she was a little timid. She, wasn't, she was a little hesitant. I think this last fight, though, we saw the real Irene Aldana here letting her hands go, knocking out a tough – I d don't even tell me I fucked that name up. But Vieta, I learned that one. I kept listening to that, so if I was going to repeat it, I'm just going to call her Aldana. I don't even know why I go for the first and last name. I just doubled my chances of missing one of them. There's oh, no my point. God. Thank, oh. Thank, thank God you know who I'm talking about. Stop laughing at me. Uh, but uh, – I like Aldana here. The one thing also that she has is a ground game that we don't see as much, but she does. She's won some fights by submission. I actually think she's going to win this fight by submission in the fourth round. I think that she eventually will get this fight to the ground. And I will think, I think it might be because Holly may be getting jabbed to death and may try to shoot in. And that's when she takes the bag, gets a rare naked choke. I do think that Aldana has potential. Obviously with Amanda at the top of the mountain, it's hard to picture anyone other than Valentina giving her fits, but the length, the height, Really strong fight IQ also. I think Kenny would agree there. She fights really, really smart. Doesn't get hit that much. I, I do like her here. It's a shame because I think Holly has all the tools to be a champ. But, you know, we just don't see it. So for that reason, I'm going to go fourth round submission. Holly Holm has won two of her last three, but in terms of that championship stuff that you mentioned, she has lost her last four uh, UFC title fights. Maybe Cody Merrill hit that explicit button on uh, on this week's episode. It's late at night. We've flown a lot. Uh, pick to click on the way out of here. Ian Parker's going to stick around. He's betting the National Football League as well. So uh, we update the standings. And again, by the way, the loser of this bet is going to do five shots of Bruce Buffer's puncher's chance inside of 20 minutes on a podcast. And I can assure you, I'm going to do it on an empty stomach and make make a real fool of myself in front of the masses. All right, so I had the lead 2-0 to 1-1. Falcons, though, blew a, a huge lead at home as three-point favorites. So I'm 2-1 and one on the year. Cody was 1-1. One one. He had the Arizona Cardinals minus 5.5. They lost outright to Matt Patricia's Detroit Lions as home favorites. So uh, we both need a win in week four, Cody. You're trying to avoid a 1-3 and three start, my man. Who do you have? Well, John, I know you weren't able to watch the game, but if you had watched the Cardinals game – he kept them in the game, Kyler Murray did. Three interceptions, there's no way that he could do that two weeks in a row. And if he You're does, right. I'll take two shots on the podcast next week. So Cardinals yes. minus three and a half at the Panthers. I don't think the Panthers are very good. You heard it on record. Let's go. I love it. I can't wait to see you do two shots next week. I do love Kyler Murray, though, so I can certainly support that play. Uh, again, I saw some there was some live tea on the airplane back, so I watched a little bit of football. But, you know, fade or follow at your own peril here. But I'm coming right back with the Chicago Bears fade. They're three and oh, I think they're going to be better with Nick Foles as the starting quarterback. They named him the quarterback today. But man, do they feel like a fraudulent three and oh right now? 
I mean, did they beat the Indianapolis Colts to move to 4-0? I don't fucking think so. I don't see it. This is a play on Frank Reich. Give me Indianapolis. Modest 205 right now. I think it closes three or higher. Three or higher. We're going with the Colts as my pick to click for week four, and that's going to do it for this week. We thank our usual suspects, Ray Longo, Ian Parker. Uh, so next Monday, we are right back with you. We're actually going to get the episode in the can on Sunday because Ken Flo's got BattleBots duty memorizing a lot of stuff, getting ready for some major television obligations. So we are going to tape Sunday. The episode will be up on audio and video. We'll recap home all Donna and then look ahead to what is an awesome main event. Marlon Madice, Corey Sandhagen under the lights, October 10th. Also, don't forget, remember the show starring Bilal Muhammad and my identical twin brother with a ponytail, Jason Anik, this Thursday. Anik and Florian Podcast YouTube channel. Darren Till and maybe even Platinum Mike Perry scheduled to join them. Uh, so hit that subscribe button. Got the second show under the banner now. Maybe even an FNA, by the way, with Paul Felder from Flight Island this week. Thank you all for watching, for listening. We'll run back with you uh, Sunday morning. Until then, for Ken Flo, John Anik, Cody Merrill Production, saying so long. Don't text and drive. Wear your mask unless you're Pat Militich. I promise you, Pat, I'm not telling you what to do. Until next week, you'll later.